As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Okay, James, it is another edition of the podcast post-trade deadline pod. How are you doing? I'm good. How's Tampa Bay? Uh, I'm not going to tell you (laughs) because I'm pretty sure there's snow coming to Toronto on Wednesday. That's okay. Let's say it's raining here. (laughs) (laughs) I like Tampa. That's a good spot. I recommend Leafs fans go check that out at some point. You can definitely see why players would want to play here. And obviously when Man, the team is good. Could you imagine making like five million like basically it's like tax free down there, right? Like can you imagine yeah. the kind of house you could have and 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 they've built up a good fan base and they've built up, you know, there's hockey bars around there and I like it. They're good restaurants and good weather and what's not to like? Well, do you know what's uh changed since the last time I came here, James? And and probably since the last time you were here. They're building so much shit around the arena. It is yeah. going to be like it already is kind of fun around the arena just because it's by the water and whatever. Um, but it looks like it's going to be even better. Uh, and obviously the team is really good. Anyway, well, you, this is not you, the lightning report. Yeah, well, sorry. I know why that's happened because the owner and the team have bought all of the land around the arena. They bought like all of the parking lots and they're building all of that. And Jeff Vidic is incredibly wealthy and he owns a huge piece of that downtown now. So it's an interesting story. It's, it's a, they're, they're like the, probably the biggest Sunbelt success story. I mean, unless you want to say LA Kings or something like that, but like it's anyway. Yeah. No, we could probably, I could probably give you half an hour on the lightning if you wanted. Maybe you should do the lightning report on the yeah, side. 
Yeah, I could do uh-huh. that one day. Well, I mean, like right, Tampa, well, Tampa is relevant because you're there. They're playing them on Tuesday, and they're a team that the Leafs have to beat if this season is going to amount to anything. So it's not like they're completely irrelevant. Do you want to break down the Blake Coleman trade? <laughs> what I would say is I think they got better. You know, they added Barclay Goodrow <laughs> and they added Blake Coleman, and they had maybe the best team in the league, and they added two good forwards to it. And so, yeah, there's my breakdown. <laughs> All right, well, we don't have much to talk about in terms of trades by the Leafs unless you want to break down Michael Hutchinson for Callie Rosen, which we should spend like a couple minutes on. It is remarkable that they managed to turn uh, Michael Hutchinson into anything, let alone like a player under contract for next year who could conceivably play some games for them. But we'll get to that in a sec. Um, are you surprised that they didn't, A, move Tyson Berry and B, uh, end up with a replacement for him? No, I went into the day kind of thinking it was like 40 or 50% chance that they would trade Barry. Um, and it just seemed like throughout the day that... So this is in my story, but some of the teams I talked to basically said the asking price from the Leafs for Barry was was really high. So... Like, what does that mean? Like, what do you, they, do you think they, it was? I mean, they didn't, they didn't tell me exactly. They They made it sound like... He like he wasn't priced to sell. Like he wasn't. They weren't being really aggressive trying to trade Tyson Berry. They were going to trade him if they could get something really good for him. So that's so. Well, I I thought I heard them say on TSN. I think it was Bob McKenzie, like a prospect in a first round pick. Yeah, they were saying like the Shattenkirk trade that that was made right a, a while back. Yeah, and so, so that makes sense. Like if if someone's going to blow your socks off and give them give you that for. 18 to 20 or whatever games are left for that team of Tyson Berry, you probably do it. Um, but I wonder, like, do you think it, it is smart? Obviously, if a team is going to give you that, that's that's great. It hurts your playoff chances. There's also the possibility that you trade Tyson Berry, get back a replacement for him, either in the same deal or a different deal. Well, do you I think, think it's what good you could have done... For- just to interrupt you, I think what you could have done, Jonas, yeah. is you could have traded Barry away and gotten, like, say you got a first-round pick and a prospect, and then you could have went and got, like, Sammy Vatanen or something. What did Vatanen go for from the Devils? Like, a fourth-round pick or something like that today? Like, you could have just right. flipped around and got a replacement who's not who's not that far off what, what Barry's giving you. So I think that, that that could have been an option. Yeah, and that makes some sense. Um, I just wonder... I wonder a few things. I, I guess my first question is, is it smart to have it out there so publicly now that you didn't trade him and you need him? Did you maybe, listen, you didn't, maybe it doesn't matter. Did you listen to Kyle Dubas's press conference? Did you hear the whole thing? No, I did not. I literally got to my hotel and plugged in with you. Okay. So um, – that was a long travel day for some reason. That took you longer than it should have to get down there. Um, I got to the airport really early. Hmm. Okay. Um, Kyle, Kyle Dubas basically said like he had long conversations with Tyson Berry and he like called him after the deadline and or, or he called. It sounded like even before the deadline, he called them before the, the plane took off for Tampa and, and talked him through it. And, you know, I... And, and Kyle Dubas said that it was a really hard kind of week for Tyson Berry, given how prominent his name was in the rumors and things like that. And I think, you know, the message that, that Kyle Dubas had to say is like, we value you. You're a big, big piece of what we're trying to do. Let's, 
let's try and, and, and make things happen. And someone asked him if, if they could potentially try and re-sign Tyson Berry. And Kyle Dubas didn't say no, but he did say that the cap challenges involved her. Like they would have to trade someone in order to, to fit that contract. And frankly, I don't think it makes a lot of sense to, to bring him back. So anyway, it was just Kyle Dubas, Dubas did talk a lot about kind of managing that situation and trying to get Barry in the right headspace that even though he went through this difficult week and it felt like they didn't want him, I'm sure what Dubas said was, we were only going to trade you if we got something really, really good. And, and we do value what you bring. Hmm. Yeah, that's, Hey, that's a good message to send. It's tough. Um, I'm sure it was tough to go through. Uh, the thing is like, I, I think that's one thing Kyle Dubas does do well there. He does seem to have figured out the personal side to these things, like the human touch, I guess you want to call it. Um, he seems to care about that more than some hockey people do. Yeah, for sure. And and we've seen it with, with some of the trades that he's made. I just don't know. I don't know how I'd feel if I was Tyson Berry. I don't know. Well, I think it helps that he's made really strong friendships on this team. And Yes, he's very popular. He wanted to stay and he's happy in Toronto. He wasn't the first 30 games. It was it was it was pretty bad actually. Um, but since then, you know, he's become really close with Austin Matthews and Frederick Anderson and Morgan Riley. And he, Tyson Berry is a very personable guy. I actually, as a person, I mm-hmm. I I really like him. He's he's one of the easiest players the Leafs have had in my time covering the team to talk to. Like he's just he's he, he seems like a great guy. Um, so I think that that's going to help. I, I I think that. The players wanted him to stay. He wanted to stay. I think that if they can kind of move past, I mean, the bigger problem to me is that Tyson Berry has not played very well. Like he was, I thought he was terrible in that game against Carolina. There was two of the goals came right off his stick back to their players and then went back in the net. And they don't just need him to play; they need him to be to be good. And one of the stats that's in 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 my story uh, in the Athletic is Tyson Berry's played more minutes for the Leafs than any other player on the roster in part because other players have gotten hurt, but in part because he plays a lot. Well, and, and what you're hitting on is the other part of this, and, and that's he has not. And, hey, I think you you probably were more on this than I was uh, when the trade went down in the summer. He has not, nor did he really. Like, maybe we should have anticipated this more <clears throat> than we did. He hasn't been able to do what they need him to do, and that's be – like they don't need him to match up against top top lines. They need him to be okay when he's facing in second and third lines and not get hemmed in defensively. And that's not been the case. Like I don't know if that's he doesn't have the defensive instincts. I don't know if that's he's just too small and he can't push bigger forwards or even forwards his size off the puck. I don't know what it is, um, but it has not worked. Um and that's why they were in the position to have to try to trade for another defenseman at the deadline. Do you think not trading for whoever that was, any kind of upgrade was a mistake? So or is it like too tough had... to say without knowing what the trades are? Well, I know for a fact they had no, they had like almost no interest in Zach Bogosian. So that was, and it's not like you had to give up anything for him. You could just sign him to a pretty cheap contract and, the Leafs had the cap space because Janssen's on LTIR for the rest of the season. So um, 
you know, they had an option to add like kind of like a number six right defenseman who plays more of a rugged style or whatever. And they said, no, thank you. So it, it sounds well, like they the answer is... Sorry, James. They need, a, they need an upgrade on Tyson Berry. They don't need another Cody Cece. Yeah, but where are you going to get that, though? Like, I mean... I don't know. That's part of the problem. It's easy to say that that's what they need, but they sure. would have had to trade substantial pieces in order to bring that in. And that's a difficult trade to make at the deadline. It, it, it really is. I mean, to go back to what you said about when the trade was made, I went back and on this on the weekend, just because there's been so much talk about this, I went back and read what I wrote that day. And um, I remember the parts about Barry that I I basically said, other teams don't like this trade for the Leafs. They don't think Tyson Berry's the right player that they need. And those teams were right. And, you know, I talked to a couple people with smart, other smart teams and they panned the trade. And I remember that changed. I wasn't sure what to make of the trade when it happened, but that really fundamentally changed how I looked at it. And I know some analytics people, quite a lot of analytics people don't like Tyson Berry because of some of the, some of the underlying numbers are kind of all over the place. Like he shoots a lot, but he gets, you know, there's a lot coming back the other way. And, you know, I think that those people were right, that he he just he just wasn't the right fit for what they needed. And you and I have talked about this before on the podcast, but there's more to building a blue line. Like uh, there's, there's a stylistic element where you need different kinds of players. So, yeah, just, and that, that, and that was, that that was part of the mistake. What I, the way I looked at it at the time was, they added more talent, and they they needed more talent. But maybe I overlooked that part too. That like you need different parts. Like you can't have a bunch of guys who all do the same thing. And like you look at their, their situation right now without Morgan Riley, when they're forced to play either Rasmus Sandin or Travis Dermott with Tyson Berry. And like it, it just doesn't work. Like defensively, it just doesn't work. And and that, that's not great if that's the guy you you bring back to help fix your blue line. If if he can't prop up or stabilize a second pair, it doesn't work. And like you wonder where they would be at if if Justin Hall hadn't a gotten an opportunity and b run with it. Like they'd be in a really well, difficult position. Honestly, like we've kind of seen the last few weeks where they'd be because Justin Hall hasn't been as good, and then it's you know they yeah it, they've struggled. So, um, it's interesting. You know, it's a good resource to have when you can talk to executives with other teams, when you can identify people who are smart and you can bounce things off of them. Because here are people whose entire livelihood is being able to identify players that are going to fit in certain situations and. The whole thing, we talked about this in the last podcast, so we probably shouldn't go into it too much, but I just, you know, the Kadri trade for Barry just it, it hasn't worked. And they're going to get a do-over here in the summer, Jonas, because they're going to have to trade a, another forward, I think, for another right defenseman, and they're going to have to get a piece that fits better. I mean, that's I can't see any other way that their roster for next season comes together other than they're going to have to move money out and move someone of value out and and bring back a, a a right shot defenseman and they're gonna have to nail that trade better than they did with this one and you know Kyle Dubas talked a lot today not just in in his press conference but uh, you know on the, when he did his his radio appearances about they want the players to learn lessons and improve and I think that this is can be a lesson for the Leafs front office that they need to learn from and they need to 
they need to nail the next trade that they make. Well, and that's part of the risk or downside of trying to make the trade now is A, there's just not going to be as many of those players out there. I mean, you and I, when we did our, our trade, I forget what we called it, targets list or whatever, it was hard to find players who made sense. Like even yeah. even guys near the top of the list didn't totally make sense. Like Jeff Petrie made some sense, but like he's also 32 and Montreal Matt Dumbo makes some him. sense. Right, Montreal, Montreal didn't want to trade him. Josh Manson, where are they going to find? Anaheim. Where are they going to find another John, Jeff Petrie? Like, there just aren't very many of those kind of players around. Well, and this is going to be a, a challenge in the, the summer as well. But at least the marketplace would seemingly open up a little bit, uh, and maybe you have a better read on your team. Like, we're going to see what this team is made of down the stretch into the playoffs. If they get into the playoffs, um. Yeah. I want to hit on what you wrote on what you wrote about because I haven't seen it yet. Um, we're recording so, this at ten o'clock at night, so I understand it's hot take ish. What's your hot take? Well, I don't know if I'd call it that. I mean, people can decide for themselves, but you know, the, the headline on the piece is here. I'm just pulling it up right now. The headline on the piece is this may be the last stand for this Maple Leafs core. In that, if this doesn't work, if they don't come through, as we're talking about there could be really substantial changes to this roster. So I don't know if you think that's a hot take or not, but, and when I say core, I mean, you know, the eight or nine guys that have been with this team for, you know, I want to say, how long has Kapanen played? Like 200 plus games. You know, there's been eight or nine players that have been on this team for 200 plus games together. There's going to be some of those guys that don't come back, you know, and I don't know necessarily that that means Marner, Matthews, Nylander, or Tavares, but it certainly could mean some of the guys that are right behind them in terms of importance. It's like you so said, I guess we're going to see the last 19 games, and if they make the playoffs, the playoffs, that's going to define whether you keep... To me, that tells you whether you keep this group together and keep going or not. Yeah, I don't know, because like you just said, they're going to have to make a trade regardless, and to get that player, they're going to have to trade... Yes one of these people regardless and yes the only thing and it is makes it i don't easier know if you, if they fail i mean you then you sure you know there, there's going to be multiple reasons why you're going to want to trade one of those people i guess i would just narrow the core down like i don't include Kapanen in the core i don't include zach hyman in the core like i think the core is like the it is what it sounds like it's the core it's the it's the group that's that is what you're building your team around. It's your Duncan Keith, your Jonathan Taves, your Patrick Kane, that and your Marion Hosa. It's like a very small group. Yeah. Here's the core I got. It's Marner, Riley, Hyman, Nylander, Matthews, Tavares, Kapanen, uh, Anderson. That's, I mean, Muzzin's there too, but obviously Muzzin's not getting traded. So, but the, the, you know, Matthews isn't getting traded either, but I was trying to look at guys that have been part of this for long enough that they're either part of the solution or part of the problem kind of thing. And I think that that's kind of the full group. Well, the more like I'm thinking about it here and the, the more I've thought about it over the last few weeks, months, whatever, it just doesn't feel like there's any way... I feel like it has to be Kapanen. I just don't think Alex Kerfoot gets you that player we're talking about. I don't think Andreas Janssen coming off like knee surgery gets you that player. I just don't see any other way that it's not him. 
And so if you want to call that a last stand for this group, sure. But like the the guts of the roster isn't going to change. Like they're not trading Nealander. They're not trading Matthew, well, who's like you said. I mean, you know? the other player we can talk about is, is I mean, there are multiple players we can also talk about that potentially, you know, Morgan Riley's only under contract for two more years. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got, they've got Muzzin locked in. They've got Sandine coming at left defense. Not saying you're going to trade Morgan Riley. I'm just saying you got to make some kind of a decision on him at some point. Frederick Anderson's only got one year left on his deal. And Zach Hyman's only got one year left on his deal. I think that not that those players are necessarily the problem, but there's there's going to be more changes that come to this roster. And I think that the question is going to be, if they falter down these last 19 games and the rest of the season is a mess, you've got to do more than just trade Kapanen for like a depth defenseman. Like you, you've got to... I don't know if that's true. I don't like, I, I just don't know if you want to... You're going to think this is the wrong word, but I just don't know that you want to overreact to one season where... It's just been one nightmare after another. Like, I, I but, still would bet on the talent that they have to keep it together. Like, I just don't know what else. I don't know. That's the way I think about it. I, the only thing that I would say is that, like, some of these problems have been there since December of last year. It's been a long time. I don't want to overreact. Like, you, you know, like, I don't want to. You You're a hot wanna... take artist. We all know that. <laughs> we, like you and I want to get this right. We want to say, yeah. we, you know, we're not in this to, we don't pick favorites. We don't, you know, this isn't about who we like and who we don't like. And when we criticize Randy Carlisle, it's not because we didn't like Randy Carlisle or Ron Wilson or Babcock or it's, it's not what this job's about. It's about trying to mm-hmm. analyze what's happening and, and come up with a, come up with a path that makes sense it's it it's about it you know if you and i were uh brandon pridham and lawrence gilman what would we be saying right now what would our advice to kyle dubas be what would so that's what this is about it's not about yeah trying to inflame anything it's just that i feel like if this group what i'm like if they flame out here let's say they only win eight of their last 19 games and they miss the playoffs I just feel like you got to make more substantial change than just trading Kapanen. Well, you'd probably have to figure out your third line center. Maybe that's Alex Kerfoot. Maybe it's not. Your defense will change with that presumable trade. Um, Travis Dermott will be a year older, presuming you keep him. Rasmus Sandin will be 20, older. Justin Hall will have another year in the books. Like William Nylander will be established as a star i just think like it is we keep hearing and you kind of hinted at it or or not hinted at it explained what what dubas talked about he he keeps talking about like this is kind of in some ways what he feels a team not has to go through but can go through and learn from and develop and grow and i don't know one thing we saw on the other side with the raptors is they just with Masai Ujiri, they just kept bringing it back, bringing it back, bringing it back, even when at times it looked like like you can't bring this back again. And then obviously they got to an inflection point when they fired Dwayne Casey and they made the trade for Kawhi. It's not the same situation, but it's it's not an, it's not so different in that you kind of keep bringing back the talent that you have and not overreact and say, you know what, we got to shake it up and, and make a mistake. 
I guess is what I'm getting at. Yeah, well, I guess the question, Jonas, is are they coming up to an inflection point or not, right? Like, are they... Yeah, and I don't think they are. I don't think they're there yet. The the one thing that I mentioned to you, I think it was on a Slack message or a text or something, that I, I said that I wonder if you think harder about Anderson because he's in the final year of his contract and he hasn't had a good year and maybe changing what they're doing in goal is an option for them potentially. I mean, you're going to have to make that decision anyway in another year. Maybe if there's a goaltender out there that you like, that that can be part of the core that gets changed. Yeah. I just don't know who you're like, who are you replacing him with? Are you going out and signing Robin Leonard? Or are you going out and signing? Maybe. Like, what you... Maybe. Or maybe there's I don't a know trade. that like, that's much often different. With goalies, than... It's a goalie for a goalie trade. Maybe there's a team that loves Anderson and you're, you're, I, I don't, I, I'm just, it's yeah, going to be spe- interesting. No, hey, it's fair. The, the it's point fair. of my piece is like, this is, Kyle Dubas is pitching this. This is an opportunity. There's an opportunity for this group of players to show that they're not what they were against the Carolina Hurricanes when they embarrassed themselves. Like, it's a chance for this group to show that they're more than what they've been this season. I mean, they've really only played, had a good 20 game run, and they're 63 games into the season. That's that's not that's not enough. Like that's not. I mean, right now, if you had to evaluate what this team is, it's it's a talented team that underperformed is what it, what it's going to be. And I say that even knowing that the goaltending hasn't been very good, that they've had some injuries, and that there was the coaching change. Even with that included, they've still underperformed. Unquestionably, um, and I I I don't have tons of ammunition except that. Matthews is 22, Marner's 22, Nealander's 23. And now you can you can come back at me and say, well, Taves was 19 or 20. But I think those guys are like the exceptions to the rule. And I think it's, it's again, it's, they're, they're not perfect comparisons, but like Washington kept running it back. And now you could come back at me and say, well, Washington was like winning the president's trophy. It's not the same thing. Well, that's what Bruce Boudreau said. Did you see that? Bruce Boudreau had a comment. No. I think it was today or yesterday. He's been doing. He's been working for the media since he got let go by Minnesota, and someone made the comparison like, "Oh, weren't your Washington teams like the Leafs?" And he's like, "No, our, my Washington teams were finishing like first or second in the NHL like most of those years." So, it's not, it's not the right comparison. It's not the total right comparison, but it's not the wrong comparison either. The point is that they kept their core group of players, their core group of talent together, and kept running it back, running it back, running it back. And the by the time is, they finally won, Jonas, you know how many players were left that were part of that core? It was like four. Yeah, it was like Carlson. It's it's Ovechkin, Carlson, it's Backstrom, Backstrom, Ovechkin, and Holby. Holby. Yeah, like it, yeah, there wasn't the, it wasn't a lot together. Fair. The point is when when teams get into the state and when media and fans get into the state, they say like you got to change something, and then teams get rid of talent, and then what happens is they end up trying to find that talent again. And there's like no better example of Edmonton panicking like, well, well, they got to do something. And then they trade Taylor Hall and then they spend all these years trying to find Taylor Hall. And that's what you don't want to do. Like you don't want to react to this one season and rush to no. quote unquote change the no. mix. And that's, well, here, that's, me, that's where they have to be careful. I think. Let me, let me throw, let me throw something more aggressive at you then. Let's say that they can attra- they can trade for the player they desperately need. Let's say they can trade for a top pair defenseman, a right shot defenseman who's really, really good. But you Who'd have to give guy? up one. You have to. Let's just say, like, I'm, I'm just let's let's say the unicorn is available, 
But okay. you have to trade one of the big four players to do it. Which are the big four? No, that's what I'm saying. Like, you, you have to pick one of them. Well, the only one I would trade is Tavares. And even then, like, we're talking about a third third center. Like, where are you going to find a replacement for him? I would not do that, no. Yeah. Wouldn't do it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, and I don't know who don't that know. player is. Like, I don't even, I don't even think, like, if you dangled Neander, I don't, like, I don't know. Well, I don't know who that guy say, is. Let's like, say Petrangelo ends up going to UFA, and you're you're bidding on Petrangelo, who's had a great season this year. Then you would have to trade one of those guys to fit him in under the cap. Like, there's just, there, there wouldn't be any other way to fit him in. Well, so if like if I could choose, so Petrangelo and, and Tavares are around the same age. Petrangelo's a little older. I think he's thirty or turning thirty. Would I make that flop that flip? I'd think about it. Like I could. Move, well, and then you could also trade Tavares and get and get assets on the out the other side. Yeah, and I could move Neander to center. Like there's things I could do. Like if if there was anyone I was trading, the three I don't like the word untouchable because no one's untouchable. But I there's no way I'm trading Marner if I'm the Leafs. There's no way I'm trading Matthews, and there's no way I'm trading Neander. Those three are off limits. Everything else, who knows. Now, James, perfect that you took a, a pause. That was, it's like we have good chemistry. Um, we should take a moment and tell our listeners about some of the great things that are going on at The Athletic. As you know better than me, The Athletic is home to 400, wow, of the best sports writers out there covering every major team in every major league in Canada, the U.S., and the U.K. I will tell you about two of my favorites. Uh, spring training is underway uh, I am a huge baseball fan, obviously. Um, the Athletic now has Keith Law, who I used to read forever at ESPN. He does the prospects. He just released his top 100 prospects. I'm a big Wander Franco fan, who you have no idea who that is, but he's the number one prospect in baseball. Ken Rosenthal, I think most baseball fans would know, he writes for The Athletic. There's everything for every sport. Um, simply put, the best news sports newsroom on the planet but james you don't have to take my word for it you can see for yourself by signing up for a free trial obviously you already have the athletic but I if have you two don't accounts, so i i don't need another one everyone should get well, you, two accounts that's that's what you I can think. get Give, three james by going to the athletic.com <laughs> leaf report to save 40 percent on an annual subscription that works out to three dollars a month for total access to some of the best sports coverage in the world that's theathletic.com slash leaf report to save 40%. I think that's all I got, James. That was so good. You got really excited about it, too. All right. Well, is there anything else about um, the deadline you want to talk about? Because we should. Um, well, let's. Discuss yeah, I think the we, Muslim extension. Well, what about them? They traded uh, some cap space for a pick. That was kind of interesting. That came through like an hour after the deadline. That seems like a Brandon Pridham kind of yes. thing. Yes. I think it was a Brandon Pridham special. So Well, and you know they, what? Like you, you think like a fifth round pick, whatever. Given the way that they've drafted and developed, I don't know, like a fifth maybe a fifth round pick turns into something. Like Well, they're trying to have as many bullets as you can see what they're doing. Like they've traded a bunch of their first round picks, but they're trying to get a whole bunch of these like late round bullets. If you look at I'm trying to bring it up here on cap friendly here while we talk, but like they have a whole bunch of like seventh round picks and stuff like they, they've been. Yeah. Like if you look at this year, so they've got two fourth rounders, they got 
one fifth rounder. They've got three sixth rounders, and they've got three seventh rounders. Like that's, and and then and then they only pick once in the first three rounds. So they're they're going to be really busy in at the end of day two, and not so busy on day one at the draft. And it's an interesting strategy because in the past most teams really didn't give a shit about sixth and seventh round picks. The Leafs look like they're really excited about sixth and seventh round picks. Well, because you've shown me a lot of the the data and people have written about this yeah. that after you get to a certain point, the draft pick like is basically the same. Like you're throwing at the same, you're throwing the same dart basically as earlier in the draft. Yeah. There's not a lot of difference between like a early third round pick and a seventh round pick. There's not, there's not a massive difference in the success rate, which just shows how hard it is to scout in hockey when you're dealing with players that are that young. Well, what they're going now, we can talk about that, but they're going to have to draft better than they have. Um, they've they've found players. Um, obviously, Pierre Engvall's a late round pick. Andreas Janssen, late round pick. But you look at the last few drafts; it hasn't hit yet. It's still early, but like they're going to have to. That's going to have to be. You're going to have to get to a point where you can look at, I don't know, Zach Hyman or Andreas Janssen when his deal ends, and just say. See ya. Thanks. And have well, that'll be Nick, that's Nick Robertson's music right now is what you're. Yeah. Well, that's like even when you're thinking about Kasperi Kapanen, like if, if Nick Robertson's able to play. There's talk about him being in the NHL ne- next year. Right. And so like if you that's that's what they, they need that that uh, what's the word like uh, succession plan like they need. Yeah. yeah. Good show, by the way. Good show. I don't that's a show succession plan. You've never heard of secession? No. Man, I'm talking about gonna... succession, not secession. What's the show Whatever. about? It's basically uh, modeled on the Murdoch family. Uh, it's an HBO show. Um, okay. It's amazing. Anyway, watch it. I think you and uh, your wife would love it. Okay. I need some. I need some shows. I need like. I need to That's start. That's like start there. Really. I've never Start even heard there. of it. I've never even heard Trust of it. Trust me. Because we start, we've started a couple shows and it's kind of like, eh, like we started like the Americans and we're like, mm, I don't know, it seems okay. We we need, I need something good. I need something that's Succession like, is, is, is your is your ball game. It's about politics. It's about media. It's great. So like, anyway, there, there's been this huge move into like TV instead of movies, but I find a lot of it's just like really mediocre and I can't get into it. Like, Mm, I think you're, the you're TV missing series the boat, my friend. Okay. Well, I'll get you to give me a list. I got two okay. kids, man. I don't have as much time. I can't spend any time with any of this. Yes. Um, the other thing we should get to is the Jake Muzzin extension. You wrote mm-hmm. about this a few weeks, um, previewing it. Uh, it's is it? It's about what you thought it was going to be, right? I was thinking around 5'5", five, five, but then some of the reports were saying a little over 5'5", five, five, so it was not a surprise at all at the number that it came in at. I was um, initially, I don't know if hesitance or, I don't know. I, 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 I looked more at the risk of the, the extension when I was first thinking about it, but the more I thought about it and I wrote about it, I think it's fine. I think it's okay. Um, let me get your thoughts first. Uh, well, I, I think that the thing that makes it okay, Jonas, is he's a very good player, and he's a good player at a position where the Leafs are weak. So you and the other thing too is that he really wanted to stay in Toronto. He really did. He could have got more in free agency. 
Um, he was willing to make some concessions to to stay. He didn't get a full new no move clause. He's going to be eligible for the expansion draft. Um, you know, he he didn't get. Apparently, one of the things that was debated uh, was was term, and the player side wanted more, and the team wanted less, and you know, apparently, it took months to to get to this point. Like over two months, they were negotiating on this. Um, but I I think it makes sense. I think it's fair, and the way the deal is structured with so much money, the deal is very heavily front loaded. There's fourteen and a half million in salary in the first two years out of the twenty two and a half million. And then there's huge signing bonuses every year. Almost all of the contract will be paid out within the first two years. I think there's only I think there's only um, six million dollars left uh, in the final two years of the deal. So, you know, if you're a team that's on a budget like Ottawa or you know New Jersey or one of these teams that doesn't spend to the cap, you can get the final two years of Muzzin's contract. And yeah, the cap hits uh, five point six. But the actual money is only $3 million a year. I mean, th- those teams will take that in a heartbeat. So, you know, if if it turns out that he tails off a little bit and or if some of the Leafs' young defensemen, let's say Lilgren and Sandine and Dermott all take huge steps and you don't need Muzzin, I think you'll be able to move them pretty easily. Well, a couple things. A, if you get into that situation where you're having to trade basically his cap it, that team is going to want something. So there's that. Like, that's not... Nothing. We saw the worst that that could be, basically, with not the worst, but a first round pick with Patrick Marlowe. I, I do think you kind of touch on two mistakes, I think, get made a lot with, with contracts like this. The first is assuming that what he is today is what he is next year, the year after, the year after, the year after. Now, you're not assuming that the whole time, but you're assuming that what he is right now is what he is next year. And we can think that, but he's also 31. Like he'll be 32 the next playoffs. He's he's got a lot of wear on his body. Obviously, he wears the the two knee braces. The other mistake that I I think sometimes gets made is okay. Well, how are they going to replace him? And I think that's a dangerous thing when when that's part of your rationale or a big eh, part of your it's rationale. A real we thing, saw that. It's, it's a real like, thing because if you don't resign him. You're either going to have to say to Travis Dermott or Rasmus Sandin, you're playing in our top four, or you're going to have to go out into free agency and basically pay the same money for TJ Brody or whoever. So why not keep the guy you know? So I don't think that totally applies as much with this situation, but I do think there is risk in assuming that what Jake Muzzin is at 31 is what he is at 32 and 33 and 34 and so on. They got all these outs though. Like, like let's say he has a bad year next year. Mm-hmm. Just put it. Just make him available in the expansion draft. Like, do you think Seattle's not going to claim him in the expansion draft a year from now? I think that like well, hundred percent he gets claimed. So you're telling 100%. me if Jake Muzzin at then thirty two has a bad year and has three more years at five and change, a hundred percent that's that's the guy they're claiming. I don't know if I buy that. He's a good player, man. He's a good player. Yeah, but you're and, but that's assuming that that's what. He, there's it's a it's a very high likelihood that he keeps being a good player. Well, I know what he looked next... like this week, so like I can like I feel like I can project ahead twelve months. I just Yeah, that's that's good so, analysis. Like, you you look at you look at every year of that deal, there's an out for them. The first year it's expansion draft, the second year it's like they've paid a huge percentage of the money, the third year there's no money left at all. Like I just I and the other thing, the other out they've got is if he if he does get hurt 
the Leafs got no problem with putting him on LTIR. You know, the Leafs yeah. have a lot of outs with these kind of contracts that other teams don't. And I just, I think the Marlowe thing's a poor comparison because, you know, a, a $6.5 million winger that's 39 years old that doesn't score is way but less But that's valuable. not true. He did score. That's not true. He not scored like 17. He didn't. He scored like 17 goals last year. Like he yeah, still only scored, if you play just 16 not... minutes a game. Like, you know, like what was he playing in, in San Jose? And like, I'm sure on Pittsburgh now, he's going to be on the fourth line. So, no, I doubt you know, that. This, I bet he plays this year. He's got ten goals in fifty-eight games. Like he's, I get. I guess the point is these. Once you get it over a certain point, especially for a defenseman who does not move especially well, it can go downhill really fast. And like we we've seen that. And and I do think because he thinks the game so well, and he he's not really relying on his physical gifts all that much, that he can age better than some of those guys but it, it's still there's still some risk i think it, it's it's kind of like pushing the decision on him down the line like the the hard thing with evaluating that i've learned over the last five years is that like some guys who are 34 are good players still like look at mark giordano mm-hmm. look at i mean char is 42 and he's still a good player like there are look at ovechkin look at crosby look at Yep, I'm just naming the best players, but there are like role players that are really good players in the in in into those middle and, and later ages. And look at look how old Ron Hainsey is. Like it's it's hard to predict which guys fall off and which guys don't. And I think you don't you don't want to sign too many older players to contracts they can't live up to, but you also don't want to avoid older players entirely just because you're too afraid of assuming any risk. Yeah, and and a lot of the times when those older players can't perform anymore it's it's a physical thing like they just can't like marlo physically is not the same at 40 as he was even at 35 yeah and it's different it's a different position it's it's different um all those guys you mentioned like one thing that they do have in common is like they have incredible brains for hockey and i think we we probably both agree muzzin has that well, that's, yeah. I mean, the way that he makes those little plays where he moves the puck and how close to the game's played record is, is Marlowe? Like, we're in a situation he still where... still has a ways to go. He's got to I think play he like has like another years. half season or something or an, a year well, and a half I mean, or he's, something. I think he's going to play next year, isn't he? So, okay, so he's at 17, 15. He's only, he's like 50 games away right now. Like, if he plays next year, he's going to get it. He's going to pass Gordie Howe. Like, it's, it's yeah. pretty amazing. Yeah. I mean, I remember writing about that at the end of last year, and that being the big question whether he could get the next year, not this year, the year after. And yeah. I, I thought I saw Pierre or someone tweet out that they'd welcome him back in San Jose. Now we'll see, but well, I mean, San Jose's not going to be good, so like, so what do they care? Uh, this this like twenty games plus playoffs with Pittsburgh is going to go a long way to determining what he has left. I still think Marlowe can be a, a decent if you use him in the right role, which is probably like fourth line minutes and, and on the power play on the second unit a little bit. You know, the Leafs were just like Babcock was just playing him way too much. That was and, and he was making way too much. But if he's willing to play for like a league minimum contract, I think he's fine. I think I agree. We have one more thing to get to, <laughs> and then I have to go <laughs> I have to go eat my dinner. Um it's like 10.30 at night. Yeah, I know. Well, I, it's been a busy day. Um, we should talk about what went 
down over the weekend with David Ayers. Obviously, it's been talked about a lot. I'm sure people listening are probably sick of it. But I guess the one thing I would ask you is, if you were in that front office, I don't know, like, what? how concerned would you be by that? Or would you just be more concerned that this has become a pattern of whatever you want to, however you want to describe it? Like, you know what it is, the people listening know what it is. What, like, what would be your concern about that? I don't know what it, I wasn't at the game. My my wife was sick and my kids have been sick. And that's one of those games you'll remember the rest of your life. And I wish I was there. And I was thinking of coming down in the middle of the game um, to help you out. That story you wrote, by the way, is the most read story that you've ever written for The Athletic. So it's and it's 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 still, you know, it's been on our leaderboard for two days, basically. And it's just that's one of the most incredible things I've seen. Um but from the Leafs' perspective, you know what it looks like to me? And this gets thrown around a lot on, like, talk radio. And we were talking about hot takes earlier. Like, it, they just seem a little bit, like, mentally soft where, like, they're not playing well. The game's going not not going well for them. Then the Zamboni driver, who they know from practice, gets thrown in the net. And they it's almost like they thought the first two shots they take go in. It's almost like they thought this is going to be easy. And then when it wasn't easy, and when Carolina, who, which is a very good team, when Carolina got in their way, they didn't have an answer for it at all. And they kind of just like fell apart. And of all the things that are concerning about the Leafs beyond the injuries and the goaltending and the things that are more unpredictable and hard to control, that's what really worries me the most. And I think that's the thing that scares the fans the most and probably the front office the most is that when they, when they, I don't know, for lack of a better word, like fall apart in the face of adversity, that's not a good quality to have as a team. No, and you can't, you can't win. Like you can't, or you can't win no. at all is what I, I guess what I'm saying. I, I don't know if like they, I don't know if I, I think it's an idea of thinking it would be easy. I just think in your mind, they're probably thinking exactly what everyone else is thinking is, we just need to shoot at any time we can against this guy. And you think that that's going to be easy. And it's hard to get shots. And it's hard to get shots against a team like that. It's and then part it just of why like, Corsi in that is used as an analytic is because the teams that can get to the yeah. point where you can put a puck on the net are good teams. Because that's not easy to do in the NHL. Because coaching systems are designed to not let you through the neutral zone, to not let you break out cleanly, to not let you break into the offensive zone cleanly. And all of those things were what Carolina was doing to the Leafs. And it just looks like they sometimes they don't have an answer against teams like that. Like uh, the game against Dallas was kind of like that. Like the teams that really clog it up really well, the, I don't know. The Leafs can't, can't figure it out. And there have been a lot of times that, like, you remember back to, like, that Philadelphia game where, where things started, yeah. went bad for them, and then it just, like, went, like, completely a mess at the end of the game. And then, I don't know. It's just, there's been a lot of times this year where they run into adversity, and then it just, like, turns into a complete gong show. And for a team that has this much talent, like I said, I think that, that worries me more than anything. Because, you know, we can make lots of excuses for this team and say, like, well, they're missing Morgan Riley. And they weren't good when Babcock was the coach. And then, you know, the, the Michael Hutchinson was bad. And, like, we can go on and on and on and on. But that 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 piece where they struggle 
in those key moments, that doesn't have anything to do with goaltending and injuries and all that other stuff. That has to do with the other guys. Yeah, and that generally has to do with with what's between the ears. I, I do wonder, though, like if you go through all those things and you keep having those experiences, and then at a certain point you overcome that stuff, if it builds in that if it builds in you that resilience that we don't see from them and again like they are with a few exceptions they they are i know like i did leave lunch today and and i brought up that they are still young and like carlo coliaco's first reaction he's like they're not young like they're making a lot of money but that doesn't change like their experience in the league that doesn't change their age maybe you just kind of for some groups need to figure it out and the only way to figure it out is by experience but they they do have guys that that aren't young, like you know Hyman's not that young, Frederick Anderson's not that young, like they're no true. They they need some of these guys to be yeah, but it starts it starts with your big guys, right? Yeah, I mean one of the reasons why the Leafs are so young, and when you look at their average age, is they don't have a lot of older guys. It's not mm-hmm. necessarily that everyone's really young. It's just that they've only got I think two players that are thirty, right? Like they don't. Is mm-hmm. Anderson's probably thirty now at this point too? Yeah, like he's they 30. don't have, they don't have a lot of older guys, you know. Well, but, and even some of the the guys who aren't quote unquote, well, I guess they're young. Like Kerfoot is twenty five, but he's only been in the league like two years. Like mm-hmm. Gauthier's twenty whatever four, uh, Engvall's twenty three. Like he hasn't been in the league long. Like even the guys who are not super super Jeez, young, Hyman's almost twenty eight. Yeah, and he's right like now. just coming up. I was talking to him the other day, and and he's just coming up on three hundred games in the league. Like, mm-hmm. they haven't even been around that long. Like, I don't know. I don't want to make excuses for them. That I just think that is a reality that is real. That's why it's reality. <laughs> uh, we talked about it last week, but I think they miss Morgan Riley in that context. Oh yeah. I mean, even if you know he's he's a, a really big piece of the leadership core and he's a guy that you know he yeah that, that's you know muzzin's a, muzzin's a piece of that and well and like the defensive stuff and and stability and and all that stuff when they can't put jake muzzin on the ice for like a key moment they either have to put travis dermott or they have to put rasmus sandin and those guys are young. And those guys like haven't experienced certain situations. And you saw in recent games, Dermot getting burned, Sandine getting burned, Barry obviously getting burned. Like Barry's experience, but Barry's just who he is. Um, anyway, we'll see how they respond in, in Tampa, and then obviously another big game in Florida. Like this is a another huge week. They're all huge weeks the rest of the way. Yeah, but these are these could be defining games, right? I mean, if they keep falling apart or. One last thing before I let you go. I know you you haven't eaten and it's 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 late at night and like do you do you we were talking about this at the rink with Mark Masters and some other people. Do you work Jack Campbell into some starts here? I guess it depends on how Frederick Anderson plays. Like if if Anderson, man, like I think about that and I'm thinking to myself, if Anderson doesn't play well in Tampa, am I starting Jack Campbell in like a critical game? Against Florida on Thursday? This is, this is what we were debating at the rink today. Yeah. I almost would have played Campbell in one of the other games. I probably would have played Campbell against Carolina or something. Well, the, the funny thing is, like, 
Anderson was really good for most of the, the Carolina game. And then yeah. they just kind of fell apart in front of him. Well, like I said, Barry passed it to Carolina players and they shot it right. Like it's pretty hard for the goalie to to save that. I think I'd keep rolling with Anderson. That's one of the things that's hard is that some fans, especially ones that look at the numbers and a lot of, a lot of those people are our readers and our listeners, they just look at the save percentage number and sometimes that's accurate and tells the story, but sometimes it doesn't. And I think that Carolina game was a good example. Yeah, yeah. Actually, that's a really good point. Um, well, and after these two games, they've got the Canucks at home on Saturday. So it doesn't like it doesn't get easier. And then they've got the Sharks. Maybe that's a Campbell start, and then a back California back, swing. So. Yeah, California oh, swing with a baby. lot of weak, a lot of weak teams. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, this has been fun. What's for dinner, Jonas? Where are you going? Are you going over to Jackson's? No, I just ordered a burger from the bar. Oh, nice. There you go. They're bringing it up to your room? No, I, I can't do room service. I just can't. I, I just, <laughs> I'll just go pick it up. I feel, I'm, I don't like doing that stuff. I don't yeah. know. I feel well, bad. Well, it's, it's ridiculous. Like, <laughs> I did the math and so I just expensive. couldn't justify it. Yeah. It's like 20% plus like, yeah, it's, it's a lot. It was going to be like a $30 burger. I couldn't. That's yeah. insane. Well, all right. All right. Go so up, we will talk up, next get, week. Go get your burger. We'll talk next week. I think we'll do a, uh, an on-site uh, two-man pod in California. Yeah, right? That's a good idea. Yeah. That's exciting. Yep. All right. So we will be back next week. Again, that's theathletic.com slash leap report. If you haven't checked out The Athletic, give it a try. James, I will talk to you later. Peace out. Peace out.